Good morning, church. Welcome to First Baptist. We ask you to come on in, find a seat, but don't sit down and stand as we get ready to sing praises to our Father in heaven. So come on in and stand up and worship with us. Let's stand together.
So much. Aren't you glad they're up here leading, singing, and not me this morning? Aren't you glad for that? And praise the Lord. We're glad. That we're missing Shira. Shira, you're watching by way of YouTube or uh, Facebook. We're so glad to have you watching us, but we miss you. So get well, get on back. But thank you, praise team, for taking care of this. Terry and Bobby and all of you and, and Ken back here uh, uh, in the back. So thank you guys for doing that. I'm so glad to be able to be here the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I anticipate a really full altar at the altar call. I'm going to be preaching on gluttony. <laughs> actually, actually, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> if you ever know what, if you ever want to know what my sins are, watch what I'm not preaching on at the time. So we're glad to have everyone here this morning. We've got some folks visiting from out of town. We've got uh, a, a visitor from Virginia, and we've got Pat and Lois. My goodness, and Tim, uh, Pat used to be on a staff at the other church we were at for a long time and uh, did the bus ministry, did military ministry, did all kinds of ministry there, and we're so glad to have everyone here. If you're visiting for the first time, in the front of you is a card like this, connection card. We'd love for you to do us a favor. We'd love for you to pick up one of these and fill it out. If you have a prayer request, if you have a special question of some kind, you can do that. And then what do you do with it once you get it filled out? You can either hand it to me or to my wife, or you can hand it to our greeter out front, Gary, or you can put it in the box to the left of the double doors as you leave. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. But we are so glad that all of you are here. And let's invite the guest of honor to be here today. Let's bow our head in a word of prayer. 
Our Father, this whole service is for nothing if you're not here, or it's a waste of time if you don't show up. So we pray that you would be here in great power. We pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, lead us and guide us, not only in our worship and our singing of song, but also, God, in our prayer life, in our fellowship with each other, in the preaching that will follow in just a few moments. Lord, we know your word does not return unto you void, but we know your word has the power uh, to change lives for eternity. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching of the word of God, and, Lord, we pray that you'd be lifted up and praised and glorified above all else. God, thank you for this time together. Be with us, we pray today, and we'll thank you for it in advance in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me give you a couple of announcements. Uh, today we'll be preaching on the apostle, the arm of the Lord, and the author. We're in a series on the titles and the names of God. We're all the way into the New Testament, and so that's what we'll be preaching today, the Lord willing. Military meal uh, will be on the patio right after the services for all those that are active military. Uh, we hope you'll be there for that. Check our bulletin for Bible studies that are being held this week and the ones that are uh, uh, taking a holiday and not meeting. Check those out. Next Sunday, beginning and the end, beginning of creation of God and the beloved Son. Uh, those three titles will be the subject for our message. And then also, uh, we'll be observing communion together. So prepare yourselves. Take this week. Examine yourselves. Examine your hearts. Make sure your relationship with the Lord is right, make sure your relationship with other believers is right, and God will bless you for that. Uh, our youth project, we're going to be doing, yes, sir, men's breakfast Saturday. Did I forget that? Thank you. <laughs> Scott, Scott, you don't have, don't say anything. <laughs> Just, you leave yourself open. Just trust me, don't say anything, all right? Oh, we had a great, great one last week. So Saturday, men's prayer breakfast at 8 o'clock. If you can come and help us at 7 o'clock, prepare. That would be appreciated. We had everything all set up by 7.15 last week. Just want you, last month, just want you to know that, Scott. Okay? So, uh, private joke here. All right. On the patio, we've got uh, Young Life that meets there on Monday nights. We're looking at and probably we'll have Wildlife meeting there on Thursday nights, which is another youth group uh, on the island here. And then we have our middle school, our teen department out there also on Sundays. So we're going to transform that into a youth-oriented patio area. Uh, the part of it is some curtains and awnings that are going to be about $3,800. We've gotten $3,000 so far designated toward uh, the renovation, which is going to be about $5,000. So just wanting to let you know about that if, if God touches your heart. And then... Uh, Really important, super important, teachers, workers needed. AB 506, California, requires uh, everyone to take an online course. It's about an hour and a half. If you're a volunteer, if you're a staff member, if you, even if you work in the sound booth, whatever, uh, and, it's, and I know it's a pain to have to do it, but let me tell you something. Uh, protecting our children is worth whatever the price uh, to pay. Certainly an hour and a half of studying, uh, and, and being able to know what to look out for, for child abuse, child neglect, is not too much to ask. And it invests in our students. And uh, we have a, a bunch of good kids that come to First Baptist Church. So uh, we need teachers, workers. If you say, I, I don't think I'm competent to teach, if you could just help, be in there. Just, just be a, a, a warm body that will watch out for the kids, listen to the kids, love on the kids. That would be a tremendous help to us. See Julie. 
see Laura if you're interested and able to do that, if God speaks to your heart about that. All right, let's go ahead and continue to worship the Lord in songs we stand together once again.
Thank you. You may be seated in the congregation. And I'm going to ask all the little boys and girls and younger boys and girls to come on up to the front if you would do that right now. Ask all the adults uh, and the people left in the auditorium to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And we got some good future Baptist preachers and missionaries and church secretaries and church clerks and church treasurers and business people and all kinds of people that are represented up here. So all boys and girls, I got questions for you. Who, what do you call somebody who builds houses? A builder, that's right. Good deal, Zachary, good deal. All right, what do you call somebody who puts out fires? A firefighter, that's right. What do you call somebody who gets on a big gray ship and goes out on the ocean and defends our country? A pirate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. A pirate. Yes, ma'am. A Navy. Yeah, a sailor, huh? That's right. What do you call somebody who's a pirate? I love it. What do you call somebody who stands in front of a class of kids and tells them things they need to know? Yes. A teacher. That's right. What do you call a guy who stands up in the front and reads from the Bible and preaches and yells and screams a lot at people? What do you? God. Well. <laughs> How about a pastor maybe or a preacher or a minister or something like Yeah. Huh? God, okay, yeah, I'm for, I'm for him, absolutely. So, so what do you call someone who writes books? An illustrator, that's interesting, because uh, they do illustrate books, they illustrate different scenes and everything. What about an author? How many knows what, what an author is? An author does what? Writes books, that's right. And, and one of the names, one of the titles of Jesus in the New Testament is author. Did he write a bunch of books? Well, he kind of did through people like Paul and John and Matthew and Luke and Mark and those guys. But but you know what? He is the author of our salvation. We're going to understand, at least your moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents are going to understand, there's a whole other meaning to author besides someone who writes books, and we're going to talk about that. But I want you to get started right. So here's what we're going to do. Miss Pat is going to give you all one of these little books, and I want you to write down your favorite verses, okay? Write down your favorite verses and have them with you. So here's one for you, and everybody else will get one, but first let's pray, okay? Ready? Ellie, ready to pray? Here we go. We're going to pray. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Father, thank you so much for the blessings that we have and that we share with these boys and girls. God, be with them and give their teachers anointing from on high to teach them the word of God in a way that they'll always, always remember it. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes, all you pirates and everybody else. There you go. I love that. I love that. <clears throat> We're continuing our study on the names and the titles of Almighty God in the New Testament now. And uh, the names that we're studying and the titles that we're studying now have to do primarily with God the Son, with Jesus Christ. The predominant name of God in the New Testament, of course, is Jesus. He's the one uh, who is the Son of God and God the Son. 
So Jesus to us is both kurios, which is Lord, which means master, and he is God or theos, which means almighty creator. He is all those things. Now look, look at three more titles uh, of Jesus in the New Testament today. The first one in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, and he's talking about here, brothers and sisters, he's talking about the family of God. He's talking about those who are set apart children of God, who worship the Lord, who believe in God. He says, so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger. Now, some translations have messenger, so he's God's messenger, but also in the King James Version, it says apostle and other versions as well. So that Jesus is God's messenger or God's apostle. Now, an apostle is not the husband of an epistle, okay? The apostle, thank you for both of you who got that. Um, uh, Apostle is apostolos, which means to send or one who is sent, or an ambassador. So an apostle was someone who represented someone else. When Christ came to this earth, he represented his heavenly father. So he is an apostle in that sense, and we're going to hopefully show you that and prove it to you from the word of God here in a moment. He is the apostle and the high priest. That denotes his rank or his degree. Uh, And he was faithful to God the father who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. So Jesus is called an apostle in Hebrews chapter 3. He's a sent one from God. He is the one sent specifically from heavens for a specifically job, specific job. In John 17, 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So God the Father Uh, that they might know you and they might know the one that you have sent. Subsequently, because Christ was called an apostle, a sent one, an ambassador, representing the heavenly father to this sin-cursed earth, Jesus also called his disciples what? Apostles. He also called them because they were disciples, they were learners, learning what he had to teach them, and then he commissioned them and sent them out. So they became apostles sent out by God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 13, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Now, in the, at the end of the gospel era, uh, when uh, Judas fell into sin, when Judas uh, rejected Christ and, and uh, betrayed him, and, and fell, then there was, there was, they were short one apostle. So uh, they had some qualifications for replacement, and that's given in Acts chapter 1, verse 21. So it t- further explains what apostles really were. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. So there's one qualification, someone who remained with him the entire time while Jesus was in his public ministry. From the time he was baptized by John, until the day he was taken away from us. So beginning his public ministry and the baptism uh, by, his nep- by his cousin, uh, John the Baptist, uh, continuing all the way until he ascended into heaven. Someone who knew him, who associated with him, who was aware of him, who was involved in all of that <clears throat> from the beginning, from the time he was baptized until he's taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So you will then become an apostle, a sent out one, an ambassador for Christ. Now, later, 
Paul refers to himself as an apostle born out of due time. So he was a sent one. He, he did not abide with them early on, but in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, he says, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. So, so he was commissioned. Uh, when the title apostle is used of Jesus, it's in contrast to all other apostles. Uh, he is not on the same level. It's not like here are all the apostles. It's Christ is the sent one, the ambassador for God. He is, he is above all others, contrasted to all other angels and disciples. He is the apostle of our profession. And as such, he has three distinguishing characteristics. First of all, Christ was sent directly by and from God the Father. The commission he accepted was not done so reluctantly. The psalmist said, speaking for the Messiah that would come, I delight to do thy will, O God. And Jesus was the one who delighted to do the will of God. He came to please the Father in everything that he did. In John 5, 23, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. So he is the sent one, sent by God directly and for a specific purpose. Just as an ambassador is sent from one country to another for specific purpose to represent that country to this foreign country. So Jesus came from heaven uh, to, to this sin-cursed earth to represent his father here. <clears throat> Subsequently, Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 1, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority. There was no denomination that chose Paul. There was no church that chose Paul. There was no uh, group of people that chose Paul, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. But even before I was born, Paul said, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Even before I was born, he already was chosen. And again, I, I, God didn't choose a clump of cells. God didn't choose an embryo. God chose a person. God chose a person who was a baby pre-birth uh, and after being born would be a baby still. So he was chosen. Paul was chosen. God, God in his sovereign uh, abilities and sovereign power chose me from the beginning of time, he's, he's teaching here, by his marvelous grace. And it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. He, he didn't go find out from the nearest uh, uh, Bible college, now what am I supposed to believe? He sat at the feet of God. He learned from God. He was poured into by uh, the, the words of God and by people who uh, fed him scriptures uh, and helped him to be prepared for public ministry. So Christ was sent directly by and from God the Father. Secondly, Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, anointed was one of the titles we talked about last week, right? Uh, just as David was anointed, um, Saul took, uh, rather Samuel took that oil, that anointing oil, and poured it on uh, David's head, setting him apart. Just as that oil, that anointing oil was used to set apart the furnishings of the holy place and the most holy place, so that was used to set apart the priesthood and the high priest of all, Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. That was Isaiah speaking prophetically of what Christ would say. In Luke chapter 4, Christ said what the prophet 
said he would say. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boy, boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. Now why did, why did God anoint him through the Holy Spirit? He anointed him to bring good news to the poor. And aren't you glad uh, that, that he brought that good news to you and to me? I, we were talking, I was talking to my kids uh, on Thanksgiving Day um, and I just said, you know, I read Psalm 103, or at least part of it, most of it. And, and I said, you know, Pat and I both came from very humble beginnings. We didn't have very much. Her dad was in the Army, and I think, uh, I mean, made like two, $300 a month, something like that. And uh, my dad was in construction uh, and uh, in, in, in Illinois, <laughs> in Chicago area during the wintertime. Uh, Building houses stopped because the ground was frozen. I know you all don't understand. If you're from California, you have no clue uh, about that and a whole lot of other things if you're from California. But anyhow, <coughs> the ground would be frozen so you couldn't dig for a foundation. You couldn't work out in sub-zero weather without having some issues and some problems. And so a lot of times he was not working through the winter. We didn't have a whole lot. We had food. We had clothing. We had shelter. And God mercifully provided all that. But I'm so thankful that the Spirit of the Lord uh, anointed Christ so that he could bring good news to poor people. Uh, we, were, we were pretty poor. We didn't know it, but we were pretty poor. Uh, and, and he sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. One of these days, those who are captives literally in prison who know the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be set free. And guess what? The, all of us who are captive by our own sins that beset us are going to be set free one of these days. We're going to be in heaven with him forever and ever. So the captives will be released. The blind will see. There's going to be healing uh, in, in heaven. If you're blind on earth, you're not going to be blind in heaven. If you're, if you're not able to walk on earth, you're, not, you're going to be able to walk in heaven. Uh, if, you, if you have trouble hearing. And by the way, the older you get, the more trouble you have with everything. I mean, it's, just, you know, it's like... It's like I got these hearing aids, and, and, and so, you know, you, and then I got the, the, the microphone that clips over that, and then sometimes I have to wear glasses because my contacts are wonky, and, and so I got all this stuff on my ears, and, you know, I try to adjust my glasses, and my, ear, my hearing aid flops off, and I mean, it just gets, you know, and your knees go, and, 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 and I, I mean, you know how it is, right, Bo? You know how it is. I, I got to pick on you. Chuck's not here this morning. There, Chuck's on vacation. Chuck and Jan, but uh, but I tell you what, it, it gets to where you walk along, you turn around to see what's falling off. At this point in time, it's just. But but you know what? One of these days, we're gonna be we're gonna be perfect again. We're gonna be complete again. We're gonna be healthy and whole and everything. And it's because Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel, to proclaim the captives will be set free. Good news to the poor, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's why I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't want you guys uh, flying away without me. I don't care. You can go ahead and fly away, but I, I want to go at the same, I don't want to be sitting in the front row watching my praise team take off in the rapture, and I'm going like, well, doggone. Don't want that to happen. John said, I saw, when, when he baptized his cousin Jesus, he, he said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. In John 3, 34, John the Baptist, still speaking, said, for he 
that is Jesus Christ, is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gave him the spirit without limit. Without limit. So, so may we, God, you know what? Uh, you know what Baptists need, really? Baptists need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. We really do. Uh, any amens out there at all? We, we need to be. We, we, get, we, get, we get kind of afraid of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? We see, we see you know, Pentecostals rolling down the aisles and jumping up and down and, and, and people being slain in the Spirit and falling over and flopping around on the stage. And, and we say, well, so, but, but we need to test the spirits, but we need, we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to get up here and preach without God anointing what I have to say. And he's going to anoint his word. He's not going to anoint me. He's going to anoint his word as I give out because his word is truth. And his word will find lodgment in your house, in your heart, and it will accomplish what you want to accomplish. But um, prove the spirits, but don't be afraid of, of the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. One indwelling when we get saved. That's when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives, in our bodies. But hopefully, many subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit for new assignments, for new jobs, for a new day to be filled with the Spirit today. Being filled with the Spirit last week wasn't sufficient for today. It won't be sufficient for today. So we've got to ask Him to fill us and to bless us and to be with us each day. The blessed unction from above is comfort, life, and fire of love. Enable with perpetual light the dullness of our blinded sight. Christ gave thirdly, the third distinction uh, about Christ, uh, not only was he chosen by and for God directly, and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, but thirdly, he gave miraculous proofs of his apostleship. Uh, the, the days of the apostles, you know, somehow we read the Bible and we think it's, it's miracles from Genesis to Revelation. We think it's all miracles, just, it's just solid miracles, but it wasn't. There were specific times when miracles were performed. Uh, Moses was a time of specific miracles when, uh, when Pharaoh had to be shown that God was behind the message that uh, Moses was preaching. Uh, there, there was a time of Elijah and Elisha when wicked kings ruled over Israel and, and God had to, we didn't have to use, chose to use uh, a couple of prophets who would perform incredible miracles. The time of Christ on the earth, his apostleship, if I can use that phrase, uh, it was accompanied by miracles. He walked on the water. He spoke and, and the waves laid down in peace and the wind ceased to blow. He touched the blind and they were able to see again. He raised up the lame and he even brought the dead back to life again. So the, the miracles were in specific times. There will be miracles again uh, during the last days that, that will happen. But, but most of the time in, in history, it was not a time of, of miracles happening all the time. It was a time of the word of God working in the lives of people and doing things. I mean, unless you want to talk about being converted, that is a miracle uh, where, whereby God takes a sinful soul, cleanses us up, and, and by his atonement of his son, washes us and declares us free from sin. Uh, but other than that, miracles were the evidence of divine authority and deity and were for specific times only. So uh, for he is sent by God, he speaks God's word, and God gives him the spirit without limit. And then he says, I, John, or Jesus said, I saw a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove 
that he sent me. Those were his credentials. You know how we know Christ was from God? Because of the miracles he performed. You got to real, realize they had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the revelation of Jesus Christ as the word of God and, and, and the son of God and God the son. They, they didn't have that yet. That would be written in the first century uh, of after Christ came. But, uh, but he said, my miracles, my teachings are proofs that God the Father has sent me. People of Nazareth, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know, that was the book of Acts written by the apostle Luke. So Jesus' words were from God himself. Jesus also said in John 12, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Someone wrote this poem. The great apostle sent of God his mercy to make known was faithful over all his house, the well-beloved son. Consider him and courage take. He knoweth well our frame. Strength for the duty he will give to those who love his name. So he is the apostle. Jesus is our great apostle. He's also the arm of the Lord. In Isaiah 51, 9, uh, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Jehovah, in other words, there. Awake as it in the ancient days, in the generations of old, who has believed our report, to whom is the what? Arm of the Lord revealed. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, talking of Christ, and he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty in him, we should desire him. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, the pictures that you grew up with, maybe the pictures I grew up with of Jesus being a, a, a white guy with long blonde hair and blue eyes is not an accurate picture of who Jesus was. Probably. I didn't, I, I've never seen an actual photograph. You understand, you haven't either, right? None of us have seen a photograph of who Jesus is. But he was Jewish. And there were, the Bible says there was no comeliness and that he was not a, an attractive. We, we see these handsome guys. You watch the king of the kings of the robe and what some, or even the passion of the Christ. And, and you know, you get this guy, you know, he's, he's good looking guy. He's playing Jesus. There was no, there was no beauty in him. He was despised. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But in the midst of all of that, describing, he's, it's the arm of the Lord. A symbolic title associated with the human body parts, specifically the arm. The arm of the Lord speaks of the great power of God. Isaiah 26, 4, trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. What is it bodybuilders like to flex when they're posing? I would do that, but I might rip my sleeve out. It's not funny. Even small boys will flex and pose, and, and with a strong arm, work is, is accomplished, and with the arm, the sword is yielded, and the arm also draws one to our side for protection, or maybe for comfort, or maybe for help. 
Mark chapter 9, verse 36, and he, Jesus, took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him up in his arms, the omnipotent arm of the Son of Almighty God. In Deuteronomy 33, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath him are everlasting arms. That strength of God, our strength diminishes. Uh, someone said uh, that young men start losing muscle mass. I think they said at age 28 or 29, they start losing 15% a year, which means pretty quick. I won't have anything except skin on my bones at all. Well, that's, there's, a, there's an upside to that, right? <clears throat> the everlasting, our, his strength never diminishes. It never goes away. In Luke chapter 1, he has showed strength with his arm. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things, the psalmist said. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten the victory. Jeremiah said, I've, I've made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground, but by my great power and my outstretched arm, the arm can support others. In Isaiah 40, verse 10, behold, the Lord will come with his strong hand, with his arm, and he will rule uh, for them. The arm of the Lord is always available. It's like I, I get this picture of someone helping an older person across the street. They, they, they reach out their arm and they say, take a hold of my arm and I will, I will, I will help you get across the street. Well, the, the arm of the Lord is available every single day. And wise is the man and wise is the woman who starts his day grabbing the arm, the omnipotent arm of almighty God. It is as if the Lord says, take my arm, lean on me. We can sing, I, I wish I'd have gotten this ahead of time, uh, leaning on the everlasting arms. I love that song. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Isaiah said it this way, O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for you. Be thou their arm in every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. Christian poets speak of God's outstretched arms. And Christopher Stewart Smart wrote a poem, says, He sung of God, the mighty source of all things, the stupendous force on which all strength depends, from whose right arm, beneath whose eyes, all period, power, and enterprise commences, reigns, and ends. Uh, Beneath the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thy arm alone, and our defense is sure. When we are at our weakest, God is still strong. He is always strong. He is always mighty. The arm of the Lord is strength. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Be thou their arm in every morning. Our salvation is in the time of trouble. So the arm of the Lord signifies the Lord's deliverance, not only to Israel, but the Lord's deliverance to his saints. And, and I read about this analogy. It says if, if Jesus is the arm of the Lord, which it seems to be, the Father is the head. The head in the bo human body directs the muscles, directs the limbs, directs the arm to do something. <clears throat> and, and if, in fact, the Father is the head, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. Is the, man. the head of Christ is God. Father is the head. The Son is the arm. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The Holy Spirit is the fingers. The Holy Spirit, Luke eleven twenty. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, what did Jesus use to cast out devils? The power of the Holy Spirit of God. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is coming to you. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come to you. So the Father's the head, the Son is the arm, the Holy Spirit is the fingers. He is 
the arm of the Lord to us. Last of all, he's the author. So I, we gave the kids these little books. Uh, an author writes books. That's what authors do. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, looking unto Jesus, what? The author and the finisher of our faith. So there's the usual meaning of an author. Someone who writes a book is an author. But besides the usual meaning, the dictionary also gives this meaning, the first to do something. He's the author, the first to do something, an originator of an idea, a creator of something, especially a plan or an idea, the cause for whatever it is. But Jesus is not just the formal cause. He is our salvation. He is the concrete and active capital C cause of everything that is. In Luke chapter 2, there was a gentleman named Simeon an elderly gentleman, and he was waiting there for the revelation of who the Messiah was going to be. And he says, for my eyes, Simeon, a just and devout man filled with the Holy Spirit, my eyes awaited the Messiah, and I said, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon said, I have seen, when he saw Christ, I have seen the salvation. And so salvation is not something. Salvation is someone. Jesus is our salvation. Our salvation. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And there's a different word here used for author. And the Greek means chief or captain or prince. The same title is used in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So this is the one who takes the lead. He is the head. Uh, faith and salvation comes from him, by him, and through him. And not just our personal faith, but all faith comes from him. He is the author of it. He is the prince of it. He is the originator of it. He is the creator of it. He is the giver of it. You want faith today? Ask God. He's the one who gives it to you. So the English word, author appears three times in the King James Version, twice in Hebrews, already we've talked about it, and the third time in Paul's epistle to the, to the Corinthians in chapter 14, verse 33, where he says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. So in, verse, in this verse in 1 Corinthians, the word author is in italics. Do you know what that means? Italics doesn't mean you emphasize it. Italics means it was added by the translators to give a fluid meaning to it, to kind of better explain what it means. What it's literally saying is God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So I got some questions for you as we wind up this morning. Is Jesus the sent one of God, uh, the Father, an all-powerful arm upon which you rest? Did you get up this morning and did you lean on the almighty arm of God? Did you declare to him your sinfulness and ask for his forgiveness? Did you ask him for your strength, for your guidance today? Do you do that routinely? Is that something you do each morning? I, I beg you, please, if you don't, do that. Start doing that. Rest upon his arm, all-powerful arm.
Second question, is he the author and the finisher of your personal faith? Is he your salvation? Is he the one who created, originated salvation? Is he the prince of salvation to you, to your personal faith? And thirdly, are you in need of his peace today? Because confusion rules in your life. To know what to do seems so difficult. This is a confused world. This is a confused country. The United States is so confused right now. Morally, not even just morally, just in a category, especially morally. But if you get into the details of, of, of just common sense, common sense is not so common anymore. It's hard to find it. People are confused. They don't know up is down, down is up, black is white, white is black, right is wrong, wrong is right. Are you in need of his peace to replace the confusion in your life. If you do, he is the author. He is the originator. He is the cause for peace. He can do and be all these things for you today and more. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, please. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful. Thankful that you sent an ambassador. Thankful that you sent an apostle. Thank you that that apostle is your arm, your right arm of strength, everlasting arm. Thankful that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is all in all. He is everything. Salvation is not a something, it's a someone. And we're so grateful that he's available to each one of us today. And Lord, if there's someone here who needs to turn their lives over to you, may they do so in this invitation. May they be willing to give themselves to you right now. God, if someone needs to receive Christ as their personal Savior, help them to come and let us take a moment and open up the Word of God and show them how to be born again. If someone needs to get some things straightened out in their life, God, they just want someone to pray for, may they come. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? And in our invitation... If you guys need someone to pray with you, need to know more about the Lord, want to trust Christ as your personal Savior, please come let me know. I'll pray with you right now and show you how you can be a child of God. My wife is right down here. Ladies, if you need to talk to someone, pray with someone, nobody better than that lady right there. So uh, as we have our praise team, lead us in a verse or two. Would you come and do what God wants you to do right now? Don't wait. I have
to depart on. Have you decided to follow him? I hope so. So I say this in one more verse. Everyone join in. house today. God bless you. Show.